Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Since this is an episode about artists and poetry and words and lyrics, I'm going to throw out a little information about the intro music I put before my interviews, even including this one, which is a special one. And so that intro music is the bridge from a song called Hallelujah Baby Babylon by Corset on the Corset EP on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else. And in it, you can hear the end of the invocation of Thoth from the GD invocation, which of course is based on the Emerald Tablet. And sub-voce behind that, of course, is also the call of the portal in Enochian or Enochian. So, <clears throat> that's that. Uh, definitely check out Course at Hallelujah Baby Babylon on Spotify and follow. Um, it's a song I wrote in 2011. And it's in the time signature of 11, so it's pretty groovy. The chorus pushes to 12, but that's how lyricism must be sometimes. And I look forward to asking WB8 a few questions about lyricism if I get the chance and uh, how he likes to lyrically implement his modes of style and poetry and form and structure. So moving on, it's someone's birthday. Yates was fond of hashish and preferred it over peyote, he often said, so I hope you at least get a drink of Irish whiskey or a nice hot cup of tea 
because he enjoyed all those things. So do what thou wilt <laughs> in that sense, I guess. And uh, enjoy some, uh, sit back, get yourself chilled out. Be ready to really enjoy some poetry, some Yeats. It's his birthday. Or as they say in Irish. Lebreha Honadich Mohara, William Butler Yeats. It's your birthday. Na, 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 na. Today is your birthday. And while I don't have any peyote to celebrate you with, I managed to find some hash tag on the property. I mean, on the internet. I mean, hashtag WB8's birthday. So, let's celebrate you right. There is most of the ingredients necessary, including yourself, here and present, in spiritual form, ready to share with us some of your thoughts on poetry and your words of poems. There's a lot of way of reading poems these days. I wonder often what you would think about slam poetry and the such. I know you were a big fan of actually uh, First Nations and Native American style recitation, uh, you know, as well as your interest in Japanese no drama, um, which is how you very much influenced your playwriting. But when it comes to poetry, I'm curious, given that you are one of the transitional poets who led us from the Romantic era, indeed you famously are called the last Romantic, maybe it's because you called yourself that, but either way, that was the case, and you led us into Eliot and Pound and, and the modern era of poetry with your own poems, especially, notably, The Second Coming which is very apt today, as in many times in the past. We live in a dispensationalist world that likes to uh, say the end is nigh. Of course, it usually isn't. But one day I expect it will be, so if, uh, if you have any thoughts on that, you're free to share them. I'm curious about your thoughts in old age, since you're sitting here recording in, uh, at age 72, I believe. There wasn't much recording happening before then, as you died in 1939, and have been uh, with us in a way ever-present, from your work in the Golden Dawn to your creation and formative ideas for the Celtic Mysteries. And you certainly changed Ireland in a way I think you could not have expected to do. I think you, even despite seeing the Irish Revolutionary War and living through the Irish War of uh, Civil War, which was tragic, um, you missed the Second World War substantively and didn't get to see the Celtic Tiger, the economic boom in Ireland and the transformation of the Enya New Age and revolution of Irish language and music, culture, poetry, landscape, ideology spreading around the world to the point that they are glorified perhaps even beyond themselves. It's, it's okay either way, of course, you... You did your great work, and your great work is with us to this day. So, I've had a long day myself, so I'm going to let you read us some poetry. Uh, is there anything you want to let us know about how or what poems you're going to read, or how you like to read poetry in this sort of context as a disembodied spirit? I'm going to read my poem with great emphasis upon the rhythm. And that may seem strange if you are not used to it. I remember the great English poet, William Morris, coming in a rage out of some lecture hall 
where somebody had recited a passage out of his Seagull of Alstom. It gave me a devil of a lot of trouble, said Morris, to get that thing into verse. It gave me a devil of a lot of trouble to get into verse the poems that I am going to read. And that is why I will not read them as if they were prose. I am going to begin with a poem of mine called The Lake Isle of Innisfree. Because if you know anything about me, you will expect me to begin with it. It is the only poem of mine which is very widely known. When I was a young lad in the town of Sligo, I read Horro Aces and wanted to live in a hut on an island in Loch called Innisfree which means Heather Island. I wrote the poem in London when I was about 23. One day in the Strand, I heard a little tinkle of water and saw on a shop window a little jet of water balancing a ball on the top. It was an advertisement, I think, of cooling drinks, but it set me thinking of Sligo and Lake Water. I think there is only one obscurity in the poem. I speak of noon at a purple glow. I must have meant by that reflection of heather in the water. I will arise and go now and go to inner stream and a small cabin build there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have there, a hive for the honey bee, and live alone in the bean cloud lane. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes to rocking snow, to rocking from the pains of the morning, to where the cricket sings. There midnight all the glimmer and moon of purple glow, and evening full of the linnet's wings. I will arise and go now, for always night and day I hear late water lapping with low sounds by the shore while I stand on the roadway or on the pavement grey, I hear it in the deep heart's core. A couple of miles from Innisfree, though four or five miles from Innisfree, there is a great rock called Dune Rock, where I had often picnicked on a child. And when in my twenty-fourth year, I made up a poem about a merry fiddler. I called him the Fiddler of Dune in commemoration of that rock and of all those picnics. The places mentioned in the poem are all places near Sligo. When I play on my fiddle in Dune, folk dance like a wave of the sea. My brother is priest in Kilvarnet, my, my, my cousin in Mokrabu. I passed my brother and cousin. They read and are book 
my heels and glow through the seat of the fire, flicker and glow. And then I must scrub and bake and sweep till stars are beginning to blink and peep. But the young lie long and dream in their bed of the matching of ribbons for bosom and head. Their day goes over in idleness. They sigh if the wind but lift up a dress. While I must work because I am old and the seed of the fire gets feeble and cold. Out of folly into folly came. That's that's always been one of my favorite of your lines. Mr. Yates. Um, the influence you've had on my life is so vast. It even led into music. I was always told I had no musical ability in, in Walder School, as ironic as that may sound, and discouraged. <laughs> but it was, I think it was at the end of grad school, I just was short-circuiting, and I was about to move full-time into a PhD with uh, Nicholas, and he was a great guy, and too, and I ended up starting to play Irish music just to keep myself sane and it ended up dropping into a part-time program because I just fell in love with playing Irish instruments and, and I learned a lot of them. I'd rather learn a lot of them than one really well. So I was maybe I can play this piece that was inspired by your, your poetry and mythology mainly because I was first a lover of your mythology and plays and the poetry was always there too, of course. Um, but I did a lot of your plays and uh, I was Abrick shadowy waters those were good days um when i realized our school didn't really have a drama department and just did plays in grade 10 and 12 i was like well we could all just do more plays and even the popular kids thought it was a good idea so we started doing plays and after seven months of doing plays and charging our north shore parents way too much money to see us do them we i realized i could start doing whatever plays i wanted they don't care so I said, we're just going to do Yeats plays from now on. And that's what we did for three years. Many, many, many Yeats plays. Making the masks was a trip. And learning uh, the harmonium and some other musical techniques that you had employed from uh, Dr. Idle Tim, who advised us in all things Yeats and Nietzsche, of course. But mainly, um, the instruments just stole my heart and I delayed doing my PhD for so long that Nicholas sadly died, and what I have to show for it is just the music I learned while part-timing something that should probably be done full-time, as it now occurs to me later in life. But we, we uh, as you just said in that last poem, we arise at the dawn and we kneel and pray. We grow old, and that's, that's the truth. So this is something I wrote called The Satyr and the Nymph. And it's from this musical I composed based on your fairy folk tales and Irish traditional music and Eurythmy. But I haven't found a Eurythmist yet to do the, the dance forms because I want to be very esoteric. And uh, I went to the studio one day and my bandmate didn't show up, but I paid for the studio. So I just laid down a bunch of stuff all in my head, track after track, cajon, guitar, low whistle, high whistle, illin pipes, electric lute loot, everything. Just made a composition in my head and then multi-tracked them with the engineer there 
one after the other, blasted it out, this one track. And then I realized I need to do a whole album, two EPs, the Seder and one the Nymph, and make original tunes, and I wrote a bunch of those. But this is all that remains from my archives, unfortunately, from that time. I'll, uh, when I replace my stolen instruments, I will finish the projects, of course. But in the meantime, here's, uh, here's let me share this with you, because I'm sure you will appreciate it. The Seder and the Nymph by Damanta. What do you think? There you go. It's all your fault. My ill-spent life pursuing fairies on fairy paths and maidens into the she. At Pantheacon, where I first presented my 
research and work, largely due thanks to Eric V. Cisco, who uh, sent me information I didn't have, and that reignited my ability to continue this work. Which I really, when I first wrote The Celtic Mysteries of W. Yeats, and, and, I, and I was disappointed with the work that had been done on the Irish Pantheon, corresponding it to the Sephirot of the Tree of Life. I just, it, it doesn't really matter, a lot of people would say, especially if you enjoy chaos magic at all, but there's something to doing it. There's a reason correspondences are correspondences, and if you're going to do it, do it with some sort of symbolic congruency. And no, I thought, well, what if someone actually wrote a whole book just looking at the myths and looking at Yeats's poetry and the Sephira and did their best to create an understanding of how the theocracies, which is not with a C but an S, correspond to the theogenies, the generations of gods and the generation and attributes of the gods, so their, their theocratic structuralization, as I called it. And was it an important thing to do? No, but from age 14 to 18, that's what I did. And it was a successful book in that it let me skip, uh, challenge my BA and move straight into advanced philosophy and theology, which is what I wanted. Um, and, shit, I got super, super stoned here. Yates, it's all your fault. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to connect with you because we're starting this massive project that's going to take me the next four years of my life, and I can't think of a better thing to do with my life to bring meaning, even greater meaning, into it. I mean, if you're not passionate about your life, you're, you're really fucked. So I guess this needs an explicit rating now, but c'est la vie. Anyway, what were we talking about? <clears throat> Oh, that song obviously <clears throat> it has no words in it. It's a uh, oh, that's what I was talking about. John Michael Greer. I thought when he started putting out all his stuff, I was like, oh, sh Jesus, this is great. Because when I did the Celtic Mysteries book and corresponded to the gods, I'm like, this is just a piece of the puzzle. There's no way for me to get access to the other stuff. I need to do much more with it, um, unless I really wanted to make it my entire career, masters and doctoral work, and just do Yeats, which I didn't. I wanted to move into very intense level philosophy and psychoanalytic philosophy and semiotics primarily. Um, I'm a huge Umberto Eco fan, beginning and end. Mm. So, I thought John Michael Greer was going to do it. I thought, I figured it was not, well, I knew it was not my true will at the time to do your Order of Celtic Mysteries, so I dedicated that book to the development of the Order of Celtic Mysteries, hoping and believing, fundamentally, that someone else would do that. Of course, I was only in the portal grade at the time of graduating high school, um, and uh, it took a, a, I was held a, a long, long, long time before they would let me into the second order, and that's a, that was a good thing. Um, I needed to be put through the ringer for sure. Um, there could be no doubt about that. The whole prodigy thing needed to die. I needed to grow up in that grade. And uh, part of growing up was learning your true will. And uh, what I could tell was it was not my true will to do the Order of Celtic Mysteries, and I thought it was for someone else to do. And so I, that was it. I put it aside for 20 years. 20 years. Of course, I was still living it. Five years in Ireland, two, three hundred shows a year with a Celtic band for almost... Over for over a decade, 
that'll do it. <laughs> but then I realized, a student pointed out to me, that John Michael Greer basically had gone a different direction than you would with the Celtic Mysteries. And I looked into it, and sure enough, he did the Welsh thing. And I talked about this in 99 in, in my book about <clears throat> focusing on the Irish because the Welsh was not my specialty and I had no Welsh background despite my, my first name. Oh, that's just a hippie name that has a whole other story to it, which that'll be up my auto-hagiography if I ever finish it. <laughs> yeah, so happy birthday again. And... Uh, yeah, the Welsh got covered, so the Irish still needs to be done, and we are doing it. Of course, it's still all Celtic because, as you learn from your good friend, Mr. Sharp, it shouldn't just be the Irish mysteries, it is the Celtic mysteries. And uh, I hope we do you proud. And uh, if you have any advice to us crafting the initiations uh, to their completion, it's well underway, but... Any advice on even writing poems and songs in general? It'd be great to, to hear what your advice is to me as a, as a young Irish poet. Though less, less young daily, it seems. What do you think? Irish poets, learn your trade. Sing whatever is well made. Scorn the sort now growing up all out of shape from toe to top. Sing the peasantry and then hard-riding country gentlemen, the holiness of monks and after porter drinkers randy laughter. Sing the lords and ladies gay that were beaten into the clay through seven heroic centuries. Cast your mind on other days that we in coming days may be still the indomitable Irishry. Wow, you definitely got the volume up on that one, didn't you there, Willie? Ah, do whatever is well made. See, that is what we're trying to do. Everyone involved is going to be trying to do whatever is well made. And that's what I did originally when I tried to amend and do a, a full version of the Irish gods correspond to the tree of life. I wanted, when I, it was for my working, when I wanted to work with the Irish gods, I wanted a full sense of Sephirotic correspondences that, that actually made it easier to work with the gods because I came from the GD tradition like you did. So that was all, that was even probably more embedded in me than it was in you when you and Mathers were debating whether to use Egyptian or Celtic gods. So that's, that's the idea there. Um, yeah, some some good advice about poetry writing. Indeed, it makes me um, wonder what else, what other kind of advice you have to share with us human beings in this treacherous time of protests co-opted by rioters and COVID land. You didn't get to see a global pandemic or even the Holocaust, which is probably probably the best for you. It might have, though. Maybe you predicted it. So. Hmm. There's a there's a thought, right? You sort of you sort of knew like Tolkien and many others in your rhymers club what was coming. Yeah. It's hard to say. It's hard to say what what you would have thought. But at least your official biography came out by Foster. Forster. Yeah, there. 
got a lot of reading to do about for those interested in who you were and what you were about. It's amazing how how much you kept a lid on your Golden Dawn work because for many years, even myself, just we thought you. Some people thought you never rose above practicus, but in fact, you were just to be silenting. You were to be silenting, and that's that's the way it's done. You weren't bombastically running around creating your own religion and abbey and sex cult like that superior poet Aleister Crowley. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Hey, don't get sensitive. Come on, we're all friends here. Um, yeah, what kind of advice could you leave the world with? Like, what do you see coming? What did you see coming? You know, it's a, it's a question we all, we all ask ourselves today. What do we see coming today? Why, why do we need another mystery school or order or initiation or set of ritual practices or altar, diary, who, who name it, robes? It's a, it's a lot of work, but who knows? There might be some reason for it. We are going to find out, that's for sure. Because what else is there to do except celebrate the mysteries? That is the purpose of any priest. Magicians might be something else, but here we go. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Like, what, what's going to, what's coming? What's coming for all of us? It's your birthday. Say whatever you want. Widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun is moving its slow fire. All about it, real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again. But now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches to Cheers to you, Fratter. That was amazing. Or Willie. Can I call you Willie? Okay. You know, that uh, Lake Isle of Industry, of course, is my, my favorite. Um, and uh, it was, I think, in grade seven. I went to the Walder School, Rudolf Steiner School. You remember him? Anyway, and uh, in grade seven, we all had to memorize it. We said it every morning. We did that a lot. A lot of verse was said every morning in class, and I just fell in love, and it became my thing. And I heard reference to Yeats again in grade eight when I tried to shock my teachers with a biography on Aleister Crowley. Of course, not knowing what really what anthroposophists were, 
old Mrs. Wilby just just looked at my essay and says, Oh, Alistair Crowley, how, inter- how interesting. Wherever did you get into reading like that? I was like, you know who he is? And she's like, of course. We're a Rudolf Steiner school. We know all of these things because he was involved in such people. Steiner, they basically knew each other. I don't know if they did, but more or less, as close as can be. And uh, to say the least, they were both highly influenced by Nietzsche. Anyway. So, what was I saying? I know, I know. I'm, uh, I listen to all your poems going on and on, so you can listen to me for a second. Um, that, that changed the course of my life, because then as I went into high school, I was, of course, had as an English and philosophy professor, Idle Tim, Dr. Idle Tim, the renowned German scholar of Yeats, whose doctoral dissertation was actually on, it was called Yeats und Nietzsche, and who was also a Celtic musician throughout the 70s in the, the Beta Folk in Roundstone. Connemara, and it was near Roundstone in Clifton that I first sang and played Irish music in public with Mickey Martin, the Canadian Freemason harp player. Though actually, no, I was just initiated into masonry with a guy, it turned out, who knew him a decade later. He wasn't a mason, sorry. He was a Canadian-born harpist who did an MBA with this guy in New Zealand before moving to Belfast to be trained as a harp maker, and then I met him in Clifton. Anyway, enough of that. Um... That poem was amazing, and Lake Isle of Industry started my whole life course in a very definite direction that led to the Golden Dawn and all of these other things that I've done, including Irish instrumentation and all that such thing, which I'm glad I got a chance to share with you. But uh, industry is my favorite, and uh, of course you're coming through the thin veil through strange recording devices, um, as you must, and I was wondering if you could just maybe uh, humor us with it again and and a bit more we'll try and get through a bit clearer a bit more bravado on your part eh and just like really really hit it because i'd love to hear that oh great thank you so lake isle of industry by frater demonest deus inversus i will arise and go now and go to industry and a small cabin build there clay and what was made Nine bean rows will I have there, a hive for the honey bee, and live alone in the bee loud glade. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow, dropping from the veils of the morning to where the cricket sings. There midnight's all a glimmer, and noon a purple glow. And evening full of the red swings. I will arise and go now, for always night and day I hear late water lapping with low sounds by the shore, while I stand on the roadway or on the pavement's grey. I hear it in the deep heart's core. Well, now that is more like it. That you gave it some real gusto that time. I like that. That's thank you so much. No, no, thanks for thanks for talking with me and sharing your poetry with all of us on your birthday. I know you have many other things to do on that side of the veil. Speaking of veils, I have to move on. We're gonna have to not go on too much longer because I have to sing some songs and celebrate your birthday on a little live stream. Uh, I can't tell you what that is because you wouldn't believe me if I did. <laughs> Um, but yeah, needless to say, people are thinking of you and thankful for what you, you did 
you know, life of really of service. Um, I mean, yeah, you went through a lot. Revolution, unrequited love, more unrequited love, even more unrequited love, and then schisms and controversies and, you know, the trouble of being internationally recognized as one of the world's greatest poets, though not as popular, perhaps, because of your very esotericism, which is fascinating, truly. Um, you created one of the largest fields of scholarship and most profitable fields of scholarship. And uh, Ireland definitely owes you a grat of gratitude and lots of thanks. We're both thieves, too, you and I. Crowley's not the only thief in the room, brother. You stole from the great druid, the Olam, Amergen, or Aurgen, or Aurgen, depending on your dialect, really, and time period. Irish has become a great language, and because of even your work and Lady Gregory's releasing all this poetry and all these stories, J.M. Singh, and all of you created this wealth of information that we were able to do our work with, if it wasn't for what you started. Michal O'Shiel owes you a great debt of thanks, the premier teacher of the Irish language and scholar of mythology. <clears throat> but we stole from American. It should be Aurigan or Aurigan, depending on your dialect again. Um, and uh, so I stole from him too, like you did, and I stole from you. And I created my first song. Well, my actual first song was called We Are Damned, but that was actually just a translation of a poem by Nula Nihonu, Tamaj Damta Yerfarcha. So this is the first poem I actually wrote, and I was going past the Masonic Hall on Granville, and I leapt off the bus, ran into a Subway sandwich, and scribbled this whole thing on the napkin all in one go, and then wrote this song called The Hazelwood. So the first line is yours, and also Americans. And the rest is a story based on my first trip to Ireland and Donegal. And uh, I'm going to leave you with it, WBY. And I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you again next year. We'll all see you again next year, though you're not going to leave us, are you? You're, you're our secret chief now, whether you like it or not, motherfucker. <laughs> so, Grimil Magat, Tashiga Hintach, Tatu Gahalan, Tatu Gahanalan, Toksos, Togoboge, Agus, Yarangabra. Here's The Hazelwood by Damta. Father's heart and home, wandering down to Donegal from town to town to Rome. 
I met a woman on the road She sold me a copper charm I put it on around my neck To save me from all harm I went out to the hazel wood Because a fire was in my head I went out to the hazel wood To find the place where I lay dead She led me to the hazel wood To hear the words of love she said I went out to the hazel wood To find a place to be our bed The robbers of the cold north road Need no prayers nor forgiveness They took my purse and copper charm And all my consciousness So there I lay out in the rain A mile south of Killy Bakes The reverend's daughter found me there And brought me to my legs I went out to the hazel wood Because the fire was in my head I went out to the hazel wood To find the place where I lay dead She led me to the hazel wood To hear the words of love she said I went out to the hazel wood To find the place to be our bed me and she wrapped my head she fed me seaweed from the shore and in the fire i saw her eyes never had i loved more i asked her if she'd be my love and come with me to donegal her brothers heard and took me off to where i would fall i went out to the hazel wood because the fire was in my head i went out to the hazel wood to find the place where i lay dead me to the hazel wood to hear the words of love she said I went out to the hazel wood to find the place to be our bed At this door we almost wait and there I dreamed of her so fair The last breath and it left my lungs I never see her man And in that dream she took me out to the place where now I lie Confessed her love and laid me down And heard my final sigh I went out to the hazel wood Because the fire was in my head I went out to the hazel wood To find the place where I lay dead She led me to the hazel wood To hear the words of love she said I went out to the hazel wood To find a place to be our bed Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature, as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.